You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah B'Shem Yisrael 2022. This week's Parsha in Chutz Lord's is Amor, and in Eretz Yisrael is Bahar. I'd like to share with you a piece from the end of the Medrash in Amor, and a piece from the beginning of the Parsha in Bahar, which is not directly at the beginning of Bahar, but I'd like to talk about the common denominator between these two Midrashim, both not very long Midrashim, but interesting ones. And uh, let's let's dive right in. At the end of our parsha, we have the story of the Makalo, the person who was the son of Shlemis Bas, Bas Divri. His father was a Mitzri, was an Egyptian, and he didn't have a place. wasn't part of the Jewish people. He didn't have a place. Didn't have a tribe. Felt rejected, so he cursed Hashem. And as the pasuk tells us, because of this curse, so he was sentenced to death. But the measure speaks about the fact that a person who is in such a situation, while it's understandable, his anger, of course, not justifiable to speak against God, but we understand his upset. We understand, what did he do wrong? Meaning, what did he do wrong? That he was the son of an Egyptian, he was a product of a licentious uh, relationship, his mother had been together with someone else when she was married to a Jewish man. Something very interesting and important in the Das of the Torah and understanding a uh, very important point. You know, there are people who, it's not their fault. A person who's a mamzer and, and uh, he's the product of a relationship which was against the Torah. Child can't marry into the Jewish people in a regular way. He has to marry perhaps another mom's there. But an, Ill- an illegitimate child by no fault of his own, still, the ramifications of the act of his parents and those ramifications go on for generations. The verse says in Kohelis Ecclesiastes that King Solomon said he, he sat and he looked and he saw all of those who are when I get miskenim, they're they're pathetic. Something has been done to them, not their fault. Daniel Chayata Daniel the tailor explained that this verse is talking about mamzerim, people who are the result of illi- an illegitimate relationship. Dimas Hashukim. Behold, the tears of these people. The fathers of these people, the parents. They did some kind of sin, brought about an illegitimate child, brought this child into the world. Why does this person have to be affected? Right, the father has done something wrong. He should turn into an illegitimate person. Why is the child going to be punished? So, we don't really have it. What we see is that when a person does something wrong, there are ramifications of this of this story. As a result of doing something wrong, there are irreversible ramifications, and indeed, other people will suffer as a result of the actions of the parents. Verse tells us that an illegitimate child is not permitted to marry 
other people within the Jewish people. And indeed, the Sanhedrin, the high court of the Jewish people, the high halachic court of the Jewish people, will prevent such a person from marrying another Jewish person. There's nobody to to comfort them. But Hashem says, and this is the way of the Medrash, if, if you learn the Medrash, you'll find that the end of a parasha often will, will switch and turn to a positive note, and it will tell us something about the future time that's going to happen when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah arrives. And here the, and here the Medrash does that. Hashem says, it's my job to console these people. It's true, they've done nothing wrong. And we need to think about it and try to understand exactly why is it, or what's the, I mean, we, we said, you know, part of it is people do something wrong. It has hashlachot. It has consequences, right? And it can affect other people. We'll, we'll speak more about that as well in the Medrash in, in the beginning of Bahar. But interestingly, the Medrash here says that I'm the one who's going to console them in the future. In this world, they're considered secondary. They're not able to become part of the Jewish people. A situation has been created, and it's a very sad situation. But that's how it is in this world. But in the future, Zechariah, Zechariah, the prophet says, In speaking about the future time, when the Messiah arrives, so he speaks about the Jewish people in terms of absolute purity. Gold without any dross. Another Pasuk, it's, I'm sorry, it's the Pasuk in Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 2, that he speaks about the fact that there's a golden menorah, a golden candelabra, and Vigula al-Rasha, we're going to darshan what that means, but before we get to what Vigula al-Rasha means, which literally means some kind of round, well, the word gula in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew is used as a marble a tr- that children play with, there's some kind of round object upon it. We'll see what that means in a moment. But the idea here is that when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah arrives in Sagumar as well, that Elijah the prophet, according to one opinion, is going to come and he's going to purify the Jewish people of the dross. And it doesn't mean he's going to remove them. The Mamzerim will be allowed. Those who are the results of these kinds of situations ultimately will be returned to Klai Israel. They'll be able to, to marry into the Jewish people. They will no longer be rejected. That's what the verse is talking about. Hashem is going to console them in the future. And again, we need to think about what is the idea behind this. Like something, there, there were negative consequences. There are negative consequences. Our, our choices create real, solid ramifications. So what is the idea behind this, that there's going to be a reversal of that in the future? We need to understand what that means. But that's how it's going to be. So we mentioned this gula al-resha, there's like a, a round object on top of the menorah. What is this gula? So we can explain. There's two Amoram who explain what does it mean. They darshan it. They try to understand it. The word gula, the word gula can be understood to mean gola, which means going out into, excuse me, going out into exile. And another explanation of it is geula, which means redemption. One explanation of this verse is that it's speaking about the time when the Jewish people went out into their into their gullus, into their exile. And Hashem went alongside the Jewish people. 
For your sake have I sent you out into this Gullus. Okay, so Hashem comes along with them. He comes out to, to Bavel. He comes out to Shekhinah. The, the Divine Presence comes and accompanies us into our exile. And of course that means that when there's a Geula, when there's a redemption, so the ultimate redemption is not just about the Jewish people, of course, although it is about us, but really it's about the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence which has accompanied us throughout the exile. And that means that God's presence is not fully felt as long as the Jewish people are in Gullus, as long as we're in exile. God's presence is not felt in the world. People can't relate to God as He truly is. We can't see Him. There's a possibility for atheism. There's a possibility for denial of God's existence, heaven forbid. Which also connects a bit to this idea of the Klalus, the the one who comes to curse God. It connects to somebody who we don't see we don't see how is it just where's the justice right when we don't see justice so it's a question where is god because god is absolutely just god is completely good but that lack of of a sense of god that the fact that god is out there in gullus in our exile with us right where's the justice right where's that god is hidden as it were but ultimately umanda amargula praika According to the other opinions, so when it says Vigula al Rosh, it's speaking about the redemption of the Jewish people. That there's going to be this purity that occurs, as we said. God redeems us, uses this word Goyalenu, which is similar to the word Gula. Right? God leads us back into the land of Israel. God is the one we see godliness, we see God's hand in the return of nearly 7 million Jews back to the land of Israel. And God willing soon, we'll see it much more openly in the process of Mashiach ben David as God returns the Jewish people back to, the entire Jewish people back to the land of Israel. So there's a revelation, right? God the king, God is our king, right? No human king. Of course, there's a human king as well, but Hashem Himself is openly revealed as the king. God also reveals Himself and leads us back into the land of Israel, back to a base Hamikdash, a temple, maybe built soon in our days. But He openly reveals Himself, and we get to see, and this is, I believe, the, the message here of what the Medrash is trying to teach us. We see that the question marks in life. The problems, how could it be? Where's the justice? Why is this person punished for the sins of his parents? Why does he have to suffer his whole life because of a mistake that his parents made? Where's the justice? So in the redemption of that, where Hashem says in the future time, when Mashiach, when the Messiah arrives, they're going to be purified. They're going to be allowed back into the Kal. It's a statement that we will once again see the justice. Hashem will show that throughout time, all of the mistakes that human beings made, the possibility for mistakes, were also provided for by Hashem, and ultimately they will be redeemed and reversed. All evil will just be like like the smoke, like we say in the Rosh Hashanah davening, in the Yom Kippur davening, all of evil will disappear like smoke. You know, you look at, for as an example, you know, the injustice, the way that the media spins things about Israel, always takes the side of the the Arab world, the, what they call the Palestinians, who are always spinning and lying and, 
And that's part of their culture, it's part of their religion, is that they're obligated to lie to their enemy. And still the media which professes truth, and maybe no longer professes objectivity. But part of their thing is to, to raise up this lie and make it bigger and bigger until it's believed. Right, so that's the smoke screen. And all the lies will end with the Geul Hashem will reveal once and for all the truths and all the injustices. Right? That will be the ultimate revelation. Okay, so that's that's the idea here at the end of Parshas Amor. Now I'd like to share with you a lighter, much lighter medrash at the beginning of Parshas Bahar, which is not connected, as I said, to the very beginning of the Parsha, which is talking about Shemitah, but it skips a little bit and talks about the idea of the Pasuk tells us, chapter 25, verse 14, that we have somebody who's involved in a business dealing with his friend. The Pasuk tells us about one's obligations in, in business dealings. And one of, the, one of the things that the Torah says is, Don't don't rip somebody else off. Don't cause him emotional pain. Don't don't uh, overcharge him when it comes to selling something. There's an obligation that we need to think about the other person that we're dealing with. It's very easy in business. There's always this excuse in business. What do you mean? It's business. It's a doggy dog world. I got to get mine. I got to take care of my my family. Whatever. But the Torah exhorts us and, and instructs us that we should not just think about our own actions, our own benefit, number one, numero uno, right? That's not how it goes in the Torah. The Torah wants us because it knows that what we do and how we behave with others affects us at the core. It affects us at the core completely. I just want to silence my phone to make sure it doesn't ring. Sorry about that. Okay. Now let's see this together inside of the Medrash. Says the Medrash, a beautiful, sweet idea, which we all may know. Pasuk says in Mishle, that death and life are in the hands of the tongue. There's a particular sage, his name was Akilas, and he said that it can go either way. The same thing, the tongue, which serves to bring food into me, to give me life, that same tongue can be used to cause the death of others. I can strike out at somebody. It's like a sword. It can either be a spoon that brings food into me, or it can be like a sword that stabs somebody else. You can use your mouth in two different ways. One accomplishes something very good. One accomplishes something very negative. What are those two ways? Let's say you have a a a, a, a coal in front of you. So you can either make the flame bigger, right? Use your tongue in a negative way to bring about. I would prefer to say, use our tongue in a negative way. Heaven forbid, which we shouldn't do to bring about fire and flame of machlekes. Or I can use my same tongue to salivate. To, to, to spit on this coal and put out the flame. So I have a choice. Another example of this is if, let's say, a person has, you know, we have to think about this in Eretz Yisrael, obviously more, not more, exclusively, 
a person walks into his backyard, and Baruch Hashem in my backyard, we have grapes, come visit, you can have Shemitah, you can have it, you can just walk in, take the grapes, they're not that. Yet. They're not having. They're not happening yet. In a few months, you have grapes, and you know you, if you bring it inside of your house, so there's an obligation to take off trumas and maestres if you eat it. So without having taken off trumas and maestres, so person brings upon himself a great sin. So with your mouth, all you need to do is say the prescribed text, and you remove, separate out the trumas and maestres, the tithes, and then. You're allowed to eat it, so it depends on a person's tongue. Another example of this. So now, the Medrash tells us two stories. So we, we see that the power, there's a power in the tongue. And I want to say that the foundational concept here is, how do I use my tongue? Do I, am I machshiv? Number one, I can, I can, there's two things here. One is that I can affect myself negatively. I can bring about a sin. I can bring about my own personal detachment from God, heaven forbid, as a result of not using my tongue properly. I can also cause damage to others. As we saw before, we can have machlekes, we can have arguments between people if I'm not careful with my tongue. It's my choice. Where do I focus? Do I focus on my selfishness? I want to eat that thing right away. Or do I give off the tithe? Do I give off the, the separate, the, the tzedakah, the charity that I'm going to do I think about others as I take for myself? When I speak, is it so that I can wield power over others, I can destroy others, or is it is my tongue being used in a proper way? That's a selfishness. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Tevi Avde. So Rabbi Gamliel said, those who have a girsa, Rabbi Gamliel says to his slave Tevi. He says to him, "Go bring me a good piece of meat from from the market." He went out and he bought him a piece of tongue, a piece of meat. This is how I understand the story. I saw he brought him. He saw an opportunity, a teaching opportunity. Tevi was a, a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant person. And we're going to see in his response. So he said to him, Oh, that was a bad, that was a good piece of meat, right? Bring me a bad piece of meat. So Tevi knew what he meant. Novak Zvanli Lishani brought back a tongue. He says to him, What's this? I said, Bring me a good piece of meat, you brought me tongue. I said, Bring me a bad piece of meat, you also brought me tongue. What are you trying to, what's the idea? So Tevi said he understood the message of Rav Gamliel, what he, why he had sent him out on this task to get him a bad piece of meat, so to speak. And he said, "Look, the tongue can be good or the tongue can be bad. When there's when the tongue is used properly, there's no better thing than that. The tongue can, with a person's tongue, with our speech, we can encourage others, we can bring people up, we can be, you know, we can really light up other people's lives." We can use our tongues to speak words of Torah. We can light up our own lives. We can pray, etc. Okay? But when it's used improperly, the tongue, there's no worse thing than that. So it can be the best piece of meat or the worst piece of meat. Similar idea. Rebbe once made a meal for his students. And, he, and they brought out the meat, they brought out these tongues, and some of them were soft and they were 
more edible, and some of them were hard. The meat was very hard. So what they did was they separated it out. They took the soft meat. They left behind the hard meat. He saw this as a teaching opportunity. He said, notice what you're doing. Just like you're separating out the soft ones. You're taking the ones that are soft and you're leaving behind the hard pieces of meat. So too, when you speak to each other, make sure your tongue is soft one to another. Make sure when you speak, you use your tongue in a constructive way. Watch out. The tongue is a powerful, powerful tool. It has the ability to be, it's, it's, this, it's explosive. It's nuclear. The energy of the tongue is powerful. Watch out how you use it. Make sure you use it in a positive way. Make sure you, you are soft with your friends. He gives us this exhortation. When you're involved in a business dealing with others, you're involved in interactions with others, make sure that you do it with the other person's welfare in mind. It's not, it can't be a selfish act that how can I get the most, squeeze the most out of this, but I need to also think about the other party, the other person, how can they also benefit? How can I make sure that there's mutual benefit? How can I find a win-win situation such that indeed we all we all get something out of this. I'm not trying to squeeze the other person out. So it's a powerful idea here. And I think that we can connect these two midrashim, one speaking about the illegitimate child and one speaking about the use of our tongues. We can connect it and see that there's two things here. There's two options here. I have to be careful about how I affect others in my relationships. I need to think about what am I saying? How am I using my tongue? And how is it affecting others? And, and how is it affecting myself? Because the, as we said, the way, that, the way that I use my tongue, the way that I affect others is going to have an impact on me. It will change me to the degree that I don't care about others. I become a hardened tongue. I become, uh, I become a rock. I become a rock. I have to watch out. What are the effects? And there are real solid effects of my actions in regards to others and those are seen in the illegitimate child that's that's a result he's done nothing wrong but look at him he's a he's a miskin he's a really poor soul his life is damaged because of the mistakes and the choices of the parents we need to know the seriousness of what we do and how it affects others and it's also true in our speech it's also true in our business dealings. We need to know that it affects others. And it makes it changes us. It, it affects us. And we need to know, ultimately, another thing. And that's very important. And there's a ge'ula, like we spoke about. There's a redemption, ultimately. Because when, when I'm thinking about my obligation towards others, and I need to think this way, but it's also easy to make a mistake in the other direction and say, look, why did that person speak negatively about me? Why did that person sin and therefore... I am going to be uh, affected in a negative way because of it. And that's where we come to the second point, which is equally important. I have a responsibility towards others to, to be positive, to raise them up. But I also have a responsibility within myself, in my thinking, to realize that the things that other people do to me, I have to think about it as if this is Hashem's will for me. I sometimes have received negative consequences Seemingly 
because of that person. Look what they did to me. They spoke Lashon Hara about me. They spoke negatively about me. They caused me an irreversible damage. The Geula, at the end of time of the Mamzer, of the illegitimate child, says that everything was from Hashem. This person, for whatever reason, we don't understand Hashem's cheshbonus. We don't know God's calculations and why it is this way. We believe in Gilgal. We believe that the lives that we have now are affected by the lives we had previously in, in our previous reincarnations. That's what the Torah teaches us. We don't know the whole picture. Only Hashem knows the whole picture. For whatever reason, this person had to go through this situation in this life, perhaps because of a previous life. We don't know the calculations. But we do know that ultimately there's a redemption. All the places where it seemed that God wasn't, all the times that the media spoke negatively and the UN passed resolutions against the, the, the land of Israel and against the Jewish people, really, and the BDS movements and all these things, right? they seem like, how could this be? It's not fair. Where's the justice? But ultimately, there's a redemption. And we see that God comes out in front and we see that all of those things, for some reason... We don't have the clarity until the end to know. For some reason, those were decreed by God. Perhaps to cleanse us of sins, perhaps to trick the side of evil that we should be able to get through here, even though we're here, whatever it is, whatever the understandings are, it's not, it's not so relevant, it's not important. We'll find out when Mashiach comes, hopefully soon. But the idea is that we, in thinking about the negative situations we find ourselves in, we need to know that those situations are also brought about by Hashem and ultimately will be redeemed. And we will see how the place where it seemed Hashem was not. The negative situation that we found ourselves in because of that other person. It's not the other person. That's how we need to think about it. Ultimately, we need to realize and know that those situations are also from Hashem. And they will also be redeemed. And we will understand at the end of time we will understand when Mashiach comes and the Messiah arrives how all these situations were placed there by Hashem for our good somehow. For our good. And they will be redeemed them, so to speak, just as the illegitimate child is brought back into the Jewish people, which represents the fact that ultimately everything we see was from Hashem. All of our situations, we will see how they are redeemed. We will recognize how they are also good. So that's the message here. The responsibility that I have on, uh, to, to others to not cause damage, to not be part of anything negative, and the responsibility towards myself to recognize that whatever damage is being caused to me, ultimately, is the root of it is, somehow, for some reason, that Hashem is bringing this upon me, to cleanse me, perhaps to, to, to correct something in me, but I need to recognize that ultimately it's all from Hashem, and I need to continuously remind myself of this idea. So I want to bless you. I ask you to bless me. Shem should help us to have that sensitivity, to have that soft tongue, not to cause damage to others. We can pray. Hashem should help us pray not to cause any damage to others. Hashem should help us to have the depth of perception, or the depth, excuse me, of emuna, of faith, to believe and to know and to hold on to the fact that everything that happens to us might seem to be caused by others, but Hashem should help us to recognize that it's all really from Him and ultimately for our good. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. 
For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.